Hello and welcome to the Riff Raff and Rory podcast. On this podcast, I aim to inspire change by speaking to people that I relate to and we'll be discussing a range of subjects and topics including trauma, adversity, healing and mental health and well-being. I cherish my inner being and I'm on a journey to stay grounded, living in the present, reflecting on the past and looking forward to the future. This week's guest is Alex Winstanley who is a best-selling author and award-winning social entrepreneur from Wigan, England. His background as a teacher and a carer for the past 10 years led him to setting up a non-for-profit organization in 2019 alongside one of the young men he cared for. Happy Smiles CIC was set up to empower disabled people to create positive social change by delivering awareness and inclusion training across schools, community groups, businesses, and more. Their team have positively impacted over 3,500 people in the past two years. When COVID-19 initially prevented the team from working in schools, Alex found another way to positively impact children and young people. He began to write children's books with the aim of raising awareness of a range of long-term health conditions in a positive way and supportive way for children and young people. He is extremely passionate about promoting a diverse and inclusive society where every person is valued and celebrated. Each book is inspired by real people as Alex believes nothing is more important than giving a voice to those with lived experience. His first book, My Grandma Has Dementia, inspired by his own grandma, won an Alzheimer's Society Dementia Hero Award in 2021. You can also see Alex talking about his second book, My Uncle Has Depression, which has featured on ITV News. See more on his social channels. All book sales directly support the work from Happy Smiles Training. Sport, inclusion, Happy Smiles Training. Disability Awareness and Social Inclusion Education Cerebral Palsy Living in the Present Inspiration Corruption My Uncle Has Depression Indigenous Communities The State of Men Cancer Voice of the Able Not Disabled Language Engagement Resilience communication.
Welcome to the Riff Raff and Rory podcast. We have a very, very nice guest uh, with us on this fine Monday evening. Um, and first of all, I would like to say thank you, Alex, for uh, being so kind to donate your time to us this evening. No worries. Thanks for having me, Rory and Shane. I really appreciate it. Thanks. You're very welcome. Um, just before we kicked off there, we were just saying that uh, Alex has a connection to one of our previous guests, which will be uh, now one of our guests coming in the next few weeks. Uh, Craig White and uh, you mentioned rugby to uh, roll the ball out with that one so maybe to roll the ball out in general um, where does the story even start there like did you play rugby back in the day was that just a personal interest or yeah uh, did you end up going down the road like Craig yeah no uh, I play uh, played rugby league uh, growing up in Wigan so yeah, the greatest town in the world so nice uh, yeah, obviously a uh, big big rugby league town isn't it uh well yeah it is so um yeah that's uh it's not not the biggest town either that's three hundred thousand people so you always know someone who knows someone oh yeah and like you were saying there is it your uncles um have yeah. connections essentially with the whites yeah yeah uh, exactly. and to be fair from what i only understand on like union now is my natural uh what would you call it baby if you will but uh, not even that that would be a baby uh i wouldn't be that great at it uh, but love it naturally but at the same time with the league from what I can see with it like just in general the one ethos that seems to come from it is um, like things that come to mind are like Sean Edwards Craig White yeah. people that have a set standard that just apply across the whole rugby discipline yeah. it's incredible the standards that come from league or even Andy Farrell yeah. uh, coaching us at the moment it's unbelievable like. yeah that's it yeah and like obviously Again, being from Wigan, I mean, Sean Edwards, oh, well, everyone you just named is from Wigan. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like a, a rugby league hotbed. And uh, I think, yeah, you just see some uh, some freakish athletes as well. And I, I'm mad on rugby league. Um, rugby as well, like I played rugby union too. And, and I, um, you know, I watch both sports. But yeah, mad on uh, rugby league, especially in the NRL over in Australia, New Zealand. And I uh, love that over there. So, yeah. She's, yeah, uh, the one story that comes to mind. Did you hear the one? I was listening on a podcast last year with, uh, oh God, the name is escaping me now. Uh, he went down to play in Sydney um, under Russell Crowe. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Burgess. his name. Yeah, exactly. They were yeah, coming yeah. out with the Sam Burgess story, essentially, <laughs> on one of the yeah. podcasts last year. And the stories that used to be under Russell Crowe, essentially, when he was like, oh, yeah, I have a bit of time off. And next thing he'd be like, oh, I'm shooting over New York. Yeah. Next thing he'd fly off over. Sure, it's chaos. And to be yeah. fair, that whole side of the rugby league conversion back into union, I don't think there's been many other uh, players that have swapped over. Maybe Jason Robinson yeah. probably comes to mind. From, uh, but there's very few that do kind of... Uh, well, there we go again. Fancy <laughs> footwork. Uh, there's very few that do uh, cross-code, really, isn't there? Yeah, Um not too many, not too many that come back over this way either. You know, from rugby union to rugby league, like not not loads, like um, more uh, Welsh players as well, like Jonathan Davis um, was successful in both sco- both codes. Um, Gareth Thomas came over, but never uh, he never actually played. I think he played. He signed for Wigan actually as well, but never really played much. But yeah, wow, I know, yeah. But like even for the Wigan. Uh side of it like even I remember back in the day over towards the JJB with football and all the rest of it like mm. heritage even in itself like comes from probably one of the ways I nearly roll the uh, ball in another direction in a sense that like Wigan would be a very industrial 
you know, area. And I suppose the Midlands is one of those areas that has the heart of, I'd say the UK, to be fair, in a lot yeah. of ways, back down through the years. And I'd say that's probably a lovely, warm entry to um, the thoughts on a lot of your success recently. So, um, like, massive congratulations uh, in those ways. So, for those uh, maybe over on our shores that haven't heard of it yet, do you want to just give it a bit more context on, say, the stories that have come from where you are uh, at the moment with the... Uh, phenomenal ways of positivity and maybe the journey to date yeah sure um so uh i'll try and keep it short as possible um, <laughs> uh, my background's in teaching um i always wanted to be a pe teacher um not as a kid but again started playing rugby i'm, I'm so passionate about sport because um i started playing rugby as a kid um went from like overweight and you know not interested in anything to just it completely changed my mindset about everything um you know, I went and I had to really catch up to all the other other lads and stuff at the time. So um, it completely changed my mindset and I become much, much more driven person from that. I think that's what really started me off. And I wanted to be a PE teacher. So I started teaching. Um, at the same time, I became a carer as well for a group of young disabled adults um, in, in Wigan and, and local communities. And um, that really inspired some of my thinking around inclusion um, and, and diversity. And... At the same time as I was teaching, uh, wanted like I say, I was caring for for different people, and especially especially one one young man, Hayden. Uh, and a couple of a few years ago, um, Hayden spent about a year in hospital, uh, and in that time, people were sending him pictures of their happy smiles to keep him cheery and stuff. And uh, that's where the name Happy Smiles Training came from. So we set up this training company together, myself and Hayden, uh, and I left my job, my teaching job, two years ago uh, to set Happy Smiles up full time. Um, so we deliver disability awareness and social inclusion training uh, to schools and community groups and businesses, so from children through to adults, and it's all led by disabled young adults. So now we've got a team of people that deliver our training. Uh, but then, obviously, when COVID hit last year, we weren't going into places, weren't going into schools. So whilst we were still working on taking everything online, I uh, started to I wanted to write this, these children books, and I thought, well, you know, I've always wanted to write something about dementia because my grandma had dementia and. Uh, it's something I'd always wanted to do and it seemed like the perfect opportunity to try and still keep reaching children and young people. So, uh, so I did and found this amazing illustrator um, and linked up with him. And yeah, we, we shared great sort of similar thoughts and mindsets around inclusion and diversity and what we should be showing children and young people through these books. Um, you know, it's really trying to make the characters really diverse and, and sort of uh, challenging people's conceptions and, and thoughts around, you know, what some of the characters should look like and things like that. So that was really exciting. Um, and yeah, uh, I wrote My Grandma's Dementia. Um, like I say, speak about my grandma's experiences and mine. Because uh, like I said, you know, I grew up not knowing what dementia was um, and why my grandma was doing certain things that she was doing and things like that. And also seeing my mum caring for her. 24/7 every day of the week, um, and that really worried me as a kid. And then I didn't know, you know, I didn't know why certain things were happening. And I wanted children and young people to sort of understand that a bit better. Um, and yeah, uh, wrote it and uh, crowdfunded it um, successfully, and and it was released at the end of January. Um, my grandma passed away just before Christmas, uh, unfortunately. Oh, no, sorry to hear that. Yeah, um, but. You know, it, it sort of helped in a way with the whole, with the whole grieving process, things like that. But, um, yeah, 
the amazing thing is, is that her legacy lives on through this book, you know, forever. Um, and hundreds of people getting in touch, like from around the world, saying, "I wish this book was around when my grand was around, or when my auntie, or my mum, or my dad, or whoever." Or likewise, people getting in touch saying, "I read this book from my four-year-old son, and you know, my dad has dementia, and I don't know how to explain that about to his grand about why his granddad is acting it or saying certain things or, or whatever." Yeah. And we read this book together and she and this was one comment from a, a mum and she said like we cried together and then like we just it became his favourite book and we read it night after night. Unreal. Yeah, and I was just exactly I was that's what it's like. When anyone says stuff like that, I'm just like, What Whoa. how can this be your favourite book? Do you know what I mean? So um and then yeah, it's uh it's just one of uh really unreal it's just won a, an alzheimer's society uh, dementia hero award which is yeah i saw the video it's brilliant yeah just i was like speechless like i just uh, didn't know what to say um yeah i still don't really know what to say <laughs> yeah but like in that level of an introduction like wow like in the sense that where i feel your journey has taken you and sympathy on your loss as i mentioned and it's funny, actually, where I'm here at the moment in Ireland now, um, I'm staying with my granny. So, like, cool. I do resonate on that very, very much. And, awesome. um, like, the level of connection, like, you're so right that the legacies of um, older generations, like, like, nearly beautifully put, as you said, through Hayden and Happy Smiles, and then, like, twisted back down through the carving uh of the youth like that that's like the pillars of society at the top and bottom like we're you know driving the engine if you will but like they're the next and previous so um as you said the legacy just like keeps going it's as if her uh chapter closing has opened the door to the next and like from what i can see there's even more ideas bubbling in the pipeline again yeah and it's one of my thoughts that I had two years ago when I changed my own personal wellness from my own mental health journey and having gone through I suppose suicide awareness and all the rest of it recently it's amazing through even as I mentioned prior to us going on air that I just came out of inpatient treatment not long over I'd say what five weeks ago and even I remember being in the hospital when you mentioned the words like artistic uh, changes through thoughts and whatnot um like illustrations for kids like if we if we actually nearly take stock from what you've done and then like seeing how you have uh manifested and got to the level of success through simplifying like yeah. you know making something that sounds so complicated and scary yeah and really making it easier for everybody not 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 to mind just children as you said the stories vibrate up through generations not not just the youth yeah. yeah, people have been getting in touch, like I say, from around the world. Um, families, you know, not just children, like you say, supporting yeah, sons and daughters and, and of all ages and family members. And that's the best thing. You know, it's, it's such a easy way um, to introduce children and young people to a really potentially scary or big, um, yeah, intimidating impact that you can have on your family. Like I say, not just... So it's, it didn't just impact my grandma, but, you know, it's like my mum, you know, and things like that, which impacted me. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it resonates all, all the way through. And something 
like I said, I'm just really passionate about is is telling those stories um, that get passed through those generations and telling the stories of people who don't have the voices heard as much or telling the stories of people that, you know, what people might just assume that their stories, like, oh, that person uses a wheelchair, so that's what their life must be like. And I'm trying to flip that and show, well, actually, this person might use a wheelchair or this person might have dementia or this person might have depression, but actually, you know, this is... Um, this is everything that they can they can do and everything that they they do and um, yeah that's what I'm what I'm trying to do I guess like and the whole wave of positivity like everything that has been ironic in the sense that a lot of the guests that we've had so far have been uh, based either in the UK or even further afield say in the US and Canada and um, the most interesting points on these movements of change, like really start even connecting from what I would have seen when you were back in school. Like I would say nearly have adopted a similar pathway myself, having studied sports science, uh, never fully followed into uh, teaching. Now, granted, I did want to go through at the start and think I was optimistic, thinking I wanted to strength and conditioning, but to be fair, I adopted into sales uh, with psychology. To be fair, it doesn't really matter. As you said, your mindset through sport, like that was yeah. one of the biggest things that I got yeah. introduced to college with in that sense of just professional uh, mindset and how you can be that elite level of whatever you need to be. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a professional sports person just to be able to lift yourself uh, and look after yourself. Um, success could be defined as anything. Uh, and then naturally, the one thing that I've always come against myself with is my own mental health because I thought I was like, oh, Rory, you're going to be the successful athlete or successful salesman. And then naturally defeating myself and pulling myself apart yeah. took me to some seriously dark chapters. And like even where I even see with the likes of the story with Hayden, maybe to bring him on this, that like I would even relate myself that I had been on the equivalent of disability here in Ireland for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that people are different, people are stigmatized, people are yeah. just set to one side. Yeah. People don't understand it. And no. that's what bugs me in yeah. the sense that there isn't the awareness. And one of the biggest things maybe through what you're doing with the drive for change, please God would be that schools will start to see ripples that might say, hold on, the curriculum the level of awareness, emotional awareness and everything else that would follow really needs to be restructured. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more. Um, I was having the same conversation today that, you know, whilst the traditional curriculum uh, has its benefits, I I do think, and especially with COVID and the impact of COVID around the world, that schools, you know, um, any education providers are going to start thinking differently. And I think, in fact, already are. I think there was already a, a huge drive in terms of supporting the young, the mental health of children and young people and the mental well-being of, of families, but that's going to grow and grow. Um, we don't know what the impact of COVID looks like yet. You know, it, it could last the next six months, a year, who knows? Either way, yeah, but, hard to know. Uh, we, we don't know. So we've got to we've got to try things and we've got to do things differently, in my opinion, um, than, than what's... It's like a, COVID's given us an opportunity to have a bit of a fresh start in the way we see things. And, you know... 100%. Yeah, and the, you know the, the the movements that that have gone on, you know, like you know Black Lives Matter, for example, those sort of huge societal movements send waves through communities that I think well, know, like yourself, in fairness. Yeah, well, I, it's a tough one because you know, like you just said, in terms of defeating yourself, I, I'll say something here that's probably defeatist, but you won't. You can probably imagine that 
I probably think, well, you know, I'm probably not having that much impact. I'm just doing my little bit, but I suppose just your little bit does does has its own ripple effect. So, um, so yeah, and you know, talking it's about a, it's it's hard it's hard to take compliments. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm the same. It's like, yeah, right, yeah, stop talking. It's a sense that we're not great. Like we're negatively built. Like that's the problem with maybe the beauty in the sense that you know ironically we're negatively built but that paradigm shift as you said with mindset if you can pull your positivity and work on that yeah there's your balance yeah sure i mean i'm i'm gonna go back to you mentioned hayden before i mean hayden oh sorry yeah sorry he's like one of the happiest people that i know that's ironic you know with with the name as well but um and the initials happy smiles are actually the same initials as hayden hayden smith unreal pretty, pretty cool but um yeah completely inspired that because he's the happiest person i know now hayden lives with hayden has several palsy um and you know has had that entire 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 life so when somebody comes up and says oh you know i feel sorry for hayden hayden thinks what are you talking about like this is just my life this is how yeah exactly and he he literally is the happiest person there's probably a lot to be said in terms of mindfulness things like that i mean he gets up and just thinks what am i doing today and what am i going to enjoy yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and i am jealous a lot of the time of his mindset with that uh and i say that to his more his, him and his mom and his family a lot uh, so there's a lot to learn um and this is what i'm trying to do it's trying to show people like i say that um just because somebody's different you know children and young people grow up challenging difference um we don't like difference naturally it's sort of ingrained in us to challenge 100%, and people yeah. forget the whole nature of the journey in that sense from when they're young and one thing that's creeping into this conversation which i absolutely love and i'd love to get your thoughts on is i can't remember where i came across it last year but essentially just a bit of context around this question last year on my own journey uh either side of two uh, major uh, suicides uh in the sense of 2019 and 20 myself um I was intermittently call it uh, on positive waves. Like I've nearly come out of the last few weeks with different, you know, diagnoses like bipolar, uh, mixed personality disorder, all these other things. Like naturally, they're all just labels, yeah. right? And the crux of where I'm working, thank God, is something that is um, achievable in recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time like when i say that like i had a conversation yesterday and you're like oh but i don't you don't fully want to lose it either because yeah. like that's the beauty in it in the sense that you can literally just be so present uh, in different ways you said with breathing or mindfulness and all the rest of it but my question sorry on this is if you think back right through the last hundreds hundreds of years even you know there was a lot of crossover even in the uk and ireland and even we're talking about sport the history still stands that it's probably the biggest rivalry yeah, But the one biggest point that I think has made a huge change in the last 10 years, probably nine years, 10 years next year, was the Olympics back in 2012. Oh, so the, the Paralympics specifically, yeah. um, like that changed the landscape for the likes of Hayden and people like myself that are just different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not comparing myself, literally speaking, in a sense that he has his own uh challenges you said like everybody does yeah but in fairness they literally carry the torch yeah as you said they are the happiest most free-flowing individuals and yeah. they don't care and they wonder why you care and this yeah. is like what are you worried about yeah, <laughs> yeah no that's brilliant. it no you, you, you're right and there's definitely definitely you know hopefully a generational 
sort of switching that. You know, we'll, we've laughed at like older people before and no offense to any, any older people, but um, you know, like old ladies, for example, that have come up in the shop and like stroked Hayden's face and we're like, laughing because we're going like, they would never stroke my face, but anyway, well, they might do, I don't know. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, it's a funny one. Um, just a side note. I mean, the, I worked at the 2012 Olympics uh, and it was this incredible like bubble of positivity and it was amazing. Yeah. And it's only after I reflected on it that when I thought about the Paralympics, I actually, I actually have grown to dislike the whole adverts around that because it was very much look at these superhumans driven. Now, I completely get where they're coming from and, and, and other people might disagree with me, but I often find that particularly disabled people um, are either seen as too weak or some sort of um, superhero and it's almost like there's no in between. Um, so for someone like Hayden, he just wants to live a typical life. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting point. Um, but yeah. And what, 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 was, what was your time at the Olympics uh, like? I suppose just for more context, because am I right in thinking now this is absolutely shocking from what I remember that the Paralympic Games, there was a struggle to even get numbers at the start. Was there something to do with tickets? And then gradually uh, towards maybe the latter parts of it, it gradually grew out and built out. Well, I didn't, I didn't work at the Paralympics. Oh, sorry, it was actually at the Olympics like, itself. Yeah, just at the, at the first. So I never got to be there for the Paralympics. I just watched it on TV. So I don't know that, actually. Or um, it might have been in Brazil now. There was someone in the sense of uh, host where essentially the main event was very well uh call it um attended yeah and then the paralympics wasn't but like anything i'm nearly sure it was the same time in london um mm -hmm. around the time of um the prosthetic legs and all the rest of it in the athletics yeah and like naturally then the whole thing just exploded yeah. like that the whole thing wasn't just like anything you're nearly going to one extreme with the level of superhuman athletes yeah. and then you're nearly going like what was following it is even more to be honest interesting because of the stories yeah uh, and the level of positivity but then just people like see this thing oh it has to be you have to be this beautiful athlete and you see all these things like what was the other one that came out even on the more extreme one yesterday not yesterday rather last year was uh, was it athlete a in the u.s the documentary that came out about the u.s uh, gymnastic team oh, you know like yeah. how extreme it can be like you know in the sense of positively speaking and then people that are given power and money behind it and the things that go so wrong like it just it's it's so stark in sport as well how money and funding can go even back towards rugby like you know pacific island teams not funded yeah and exactly. it, it, it just it, it blows my mind where some teams are just sport or life in general to be honest that's not just sport yeah it's so uh corrupt is probably yeah. the word yeah definitely you know in um in many many ways and I mean, talking about like Pacific Islands, like I'm going back to like rugby league and my passions that, that lie there. Like, there's a big drive now for players over in the NRL to be, um, they want to represent, you know, they don't want to represent Australia and they don't want to represent New Zealand. They want to represent Tonga and, Sam and Samoa. And, you know, and they want to represent these these nations that with that heritage and um, and get paid the same amount as Australia play, players are getting or players are playing for Kiwis, you know what I mean? And um, that's just, that should be the same. That, that's, I mean, that, but that again comes back to the conversation about sort of, I guess, equality and diversity across society. And um, I suppose, like, segueing, th this is a, another thing that inspired me with my second book, 
it's called My Uncle Has Depression. Um, yeah. And that was written um, with it specifically with some of these rugby players over in Australia and New Zealand in mind, you know, these big, really intimidating looking rugby players um, who I'd heard all these stories about. Um, there's a guy called Sam Thade who played for Brisbane, Australia, Queensland, and is a legend over there. And um, he came out and, and oh, said, Oh, I saw something about that actually. Was that one of the first ones that came out? Yeah, he said he'd been he'd been living with depression, and and then yeah, I, yeah, I saw those other people, you know, players from indigenous communities, and did a little bit of research around it, and he really wanted to stick with me. And um, I, I guess it always stuck in my head. One of my heroes growing up was a guy called Terry Newton, um, and he played for Wigan Super Rugby League, and um, was a legend, and he was a tough, tough man. But um, he actually um, he he died from suicide, um, and um, this everyone was just in absolute shock. So off the back of that, State of Mind was set up, which is a big rugby league charity, wow. and supporting rugby league players and, and families. Um, so I'd done a lot of conversations with them about this book. That's essentially what what inspired this book. And I spoke to a number of different people, um, former players who have lived with depression, like a guy called Danny Schoolthorpe, who's got an amazing story. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, he, he did it. I, he was even good enough to do a live reading with me recently with the book, and he's really? and he talks about all of his. You know, times times where, for example, like he, he talks about wanting to attempt suicide, and he spoke openly about that moment. That he says, "I don't know what dragged me back from and stopped me from doing it. I'll never know to this day." But, um, but then he talks about like his his journey and now where he's at, and he has this job that he just loves because he's he's talking about his story and using that to positively impact others. And I guess that's exactly what I'm I'm trying to do with the books. Is well, you're so right in that sense that like even where I'm working at the moment, a lot of my journeys, as I said, are working through Canadian research. And a lot of the stuff that I'm doing at the moment is self-image, right? right. Um, and changing that, which is not easy through my addictive tendencies. But one of the things that I'm even doing with that is, say, randomly this morning, I just took a photo of myself in bed, right? And this was just completely by chance. And the idea behind it is to put your uh, screen um, as your own photo on your phone. So, like, I done that this morning, and then I looked at the photo about an hour later, and I was like, it triggered me. And I was like, why was that? It literally was me two years ago um, when I would have been suicidal and I was still working, just lying in bed. And the photo would have been sending screenshots to family members and friends to say yeah i'm still here because they were like oh my god are you okay right and like even to come back on those stories with like danny cipriani comes to mind when you mentioned other ones like that as well and yeah. like my own suicidal stuff comes to mind in general like even i carry my watch right and the battery died on that recently right. and that's the same time that i would have attempted suicide over the years right so weird wow. like, these things i'm completely a believer of everything happens for the reason that it does. Yeah. But again, with that in mind, it just kind of pulls you back really quickly in the present moment uh, to how quickly uh, things can change, but how far I've come more importantly. Yeah. Um, and not to get me wrong in a sense that like you feel like, and I know like naturally I'm in a way, way better place, but again, like the whole essence of creating these uh, episodes and podcasts and all the rest of it, as you say, it's all to do with gratitude in the sense of giving back and raising awareness, yeah. inspiration, and all these other points. And it's incredible to see where you're talking on the depressive side of things that 
Um, we had another guest recently in the US and like nearly the three points on a sporting sense were from lacrosse in his instance, talking about therapy, um, exercise and therapy, exercise and medication. And like that, you know, where you're even introducing such an important subject so young along with dementia like the whole essence of your journey i feel like is even just bearing more fruit along the course that you're plotting yeah and that inclusion and diversity piece is probably very very raw i'd say even still to this day in the uk if i'm probably thinking that with the culture shifts you know there's probably such a different um philosophy and such a modern culture uh even from what i remember even you know visiting london and to be fair I haven't been to Wigan specifically, but I have been to the Midlands as well. And yeah. I'd no, say it's just, it's, 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 well, I don't know, crazy to be fair is the way it comes in my mind just that we're at such a modern age, but to be fair, you know, we're still miles behind where we should be. Oh yeah, De- yeah, definitely. And that's why, you know, people like yourself and, and myself doing this, these sort, this sort of work to raise that awareness. And, you know, it's, it's like with, with the, the book on depression, you know, that tells a story, like I say, but I just thought, well, if a big rugby player, if kids can see that some big intimidating rugby player can live with depression, then surely they can see that anyone can. Uh, and it's just about talking. And, you know, it, that whole book is about talking and the importance of talking, essentially. And it, again, it sounds like such a simple concept, but every single person I spoke to who's experienced depression in their lives said to me, the best thing I had ever, ever, did, ever did was talk. Not, yeah, 100%. And, and people just don't talk enough. You know, people, we don't talk enough about difference like i said before about disability about taboo subjects like dementia depression cancer they're the first three books that i've um that i've written and the cancer book just came out last weekend and uh, that was based on my brother's experiences and, and a friend's and um, i lost a friend to cancer and again oh, sorry to hear that again i suppose it comes back to things happening for a reason well i'll, sim- I'll sympathize with that straight on the note that it might be harder for you to grasp the words in the next 30 seconds just in that sense that I have a friend that's actually gone back in for his second bout of chemo on his second round of chemo today. Right. So again, I'd have cancer in my genes. So where we're even going with this, the natural flow on that is, it's frightening. It is absolutely, there's no word other than frightening for these thoughts on these subjects. But again, that's the importance about where we're going in the journey. Yeah. That you have to talk about them. Definitely. And, you know, I, it, it, I didn't ever envisage it being this way, but, dementia depression and cancer are the first three books that have that have come out now and those three things will a million percent impact every single person in, this, in the world at some point in some way you know 100 oh, whether it's a friend family uh, you know somebody uh, they're going to know someone who, who has, lives with that condition at some point i just think it's so important that we talk uh, children young people are encouraged to talk you know not uh, one of the one of the big things when you know going way back again i keep going back but um, when Hayden and I set up Happy Smiles, um, we were on holiday together and um, we we're walking along and uh, there was a little girl went past and she said to her dad, Daddy, why is that man in a wheelchair? And the dad just said, oh, come over here, look at this. And he completely distracted her, which to him was probably being, be, doing a nice thing and I completely understand that. But at the same time, that little girl will probably then think, oh, someone, I can't talk about someone using a wheelchair because that's a bad thing and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be encouraged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No and, 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 that, and that's the words and the action like yeah. that's where the problem starts yeah because like from the formative years of a lot of the work i've even been doing recently like is even transgenerational you know it yeah. goes back 
hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, and with our zero to seven timeline, essentially ourselves, all we have uh, is a subconscious mind. Yeah. Like we don't have a conscious state to think with. So at that age, telling someone that you can't support someone with a disability, mm. that's a belief that they take on from those thoughts. Yeah, especially when it comes from a parent or someone so close to you that's so important in your life. In terms, Because, yeah, that's you know. their mentor, like yeah. we were saying before about the episode that I'll be doing in the next few weeks. Like, their mentor is saying to them, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and even even in a really, what was meant in a really nice way. So, I guess, like I say, I'm so passionate about sharing the stories and experiences of people with lived experience because it's like when, when we you know i left my teaching job to set up happy smiles and there was no it, although i'm super passionate about sharing the stories of disabled people i can't do that i'm a non-disabled person i have to that has to be led by disabled people and that's what we do and and that's something i'm so passionate about and with the books as well you know like i don't just write about a condition and i have to speak to a bunch of people different people from different backgrounds have experienced that to make sure that's properly informed and they're the voices that need to be heard um you know they're the experts in and and that's going back to the school curriculum why we haven't got you know people speaking about these sort of challenges in life that children will grow up and go through constantly they should be the ones educating people because they've gone through those experiences and that's the difference like and then from your own journey today like with the level of your own teaching experience like was that entrepreneurial spirit there like already before that or was it just something that you were like i need to do this yeah um it's a good, great question but I, I never realized until i reflect but how gra- how grateful i am for sport um, yeah. again just because it teaches so many lessons and i i genuinely think that that gave me a fire in my in my belly to get better and improve and then that's just always sort of stuck with me and really like that competitive drive to sort of be the best. And at the same time, you know, what, like what you said before, that can sometimes not work out as well because you put a lot of yourself, put yourself under a lot of pressure. Uh, but I think if you, if you can get the right people around you, like my, my wife helps me to keep my, wife, my feet on the ground, for example, or to, uh, you know, <laughs> bring them back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or to bring me back down, yeah. Or again, at the same time, to bring me up because sometimes, you know. I, yeah, even, oh, sorry. Yeah, even more so. It, you know both sides but like yeah 100 i want to do this and she's like alex calm down you can't do everything and then she and then at the same time she's like sometimes i'm like you know i've even said it myself am i the right person to be doing this when things aren't going too well or you see other people doing something and you think oh why am i not doing that or you know or or, i don't know you you face a challenge and sometimes you think like i like say i've had these thoughts of should i be doing this you know you know am i the right person to be driving this and um, and then people like that, you know, who you need around you, the people that go, that, that get you back in that sort of steady frame of mind, I guess. But then, yeah, like that supportive network is so important. Like, yeah. and one of those networks, like even today, I had it at my job that, like, I got a bit flustered on my first few calls that I had taken uh, for the first time in two years, essentially live calls. Right. But literally, I'd say within 40 minutes, everything was sorted from a support network point of view. Dun, 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 dun. And it was like the ripple effect of just positivity that I was like, oh my God, unbelievable. Yeah. And it's amazing in that point that a question that comes to mind in that sense, spinning around, as you said, with Hayden and everything that you're doing, literally speaking, um, like, geez, I even feel like the man probably has such an attitude that 
the wheelchair rugby might be on his radar someday. Um, that uh, with your level, as you said, focusing that direction, um, your journey in that sense, as you said, keeps the balance simple. Like, you know, that's the most important thing I've learned in the last few months, especially since I started podcasting, yeah. is how challenging these subjects can be. Yeah. Um, but in reflection, um, how simple the changes can be. If we all did a few simple changes, how much better it would be in general. And I say that looking over here, my granddad over my shoulder who's passed from cancer. I've had suicide uh, challenges, as I mentioned. Um, and as you said, like there's issues all over the place, like there's Parkinson's, there's dementia, there's so many issues, which I think, interestingly, my question follows this is, they're all nearly as a result of our mistakes as a race, nearly, if you're going big on this. Yeah. And that's where your inclusion and diversity fit the nail on the head yeah. of if we are all together as one, like yeah. Coldplay would say, an army of one. Yeah. Like, what really brought that level of uh, team to life is my question. Like I say, my, my experience is as a carer, even as a teacher as well, but I just got so uh, frustrated. It nearly makes me want to swear, even now. Like, yeah. uh, I have to hold myself back. But, you know, the, the language um, language is so important, and um, that's something that we teach for our training. And the words that people use to describe, for example, a disabled person. Um, my wife was just watching an American TV show, and the words that they were using on there, and, and some of the words that are used globally, like, is people need to change, and they need to change the language, and... and, and and it starts from, you know, though though you just said about those small changes. If one person can stop saying certain words that are discriminatory or, or you know, a negative, then the, their son or daughter or their friend or their relative might stop saying it as well. And that is that that ripple effect. And I suppose the more that it can just start with one person making those little changes, the more hopefully you know it it can spread uh, and grow. And I think it's it. There's no question. It's it's not a, a matter of should we be doing this in terms of promoting an inclusive or diverse society. It's it's how quickly should we be doing it? And the answer's yesterday. It's not a matter of of if this is going to happen. It's it's when. Um, and it and it's and it, it nearly feels like when you say like a lot of the things you nearly feel guilty of. I'd say in this conversation is like oh I keep talking about the past, but. Like the one point on that is you're reflecting. Like this is the perfect opportunity in a call and a podcast like this. Yeah. In that nature, with even COVID, it feels like a yellow card. Even one of the things I've been threatening in my world that I still haven't implemented yet, that I was hoping to do when I was in hospital, was nearly carry around a, red, a yellow card and a red card just for the crack. Yeah. Uh, to say to people like you know, yellow card, stop doing that. Literally, like a lollipop lady, or you feel like in schools. But these are the things. Like if we bring the positive side of these things to life in the sense of making a game of it, mm. people will see the idea is wrong and they'll change very easily. Like, yeah. it's not a case that people don't want to cause pain. Like, that's the thing. We're not driven or built to even use rugby yeah. to hurt each other. Like, it's just, that's the battle in the 80 minutes or so that's on the pitch. Yeah. And rugby, if it's taught me anything over the years, is inclusion and the brotherhood that comes from it. And the one thing you always hear, as I'd say, you probably see from the ripple effects of all the interviews you've done so far is 
the one thing that they always say along the way, and it's even true to the day of what we're talking about right now in the present moment, is that the people along the way that you meet, that's why you do it. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you are doing, we're doing this reflecting to each other and learning and sharing and inspiring. But like the way forward is to meet people that have gone through these experiences to see how we can uh, come together on a like-minded thought train and see if we can help in any way, shape or form. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, meeting people like yourself and being around people like yourself for me is, is what drives me because, um, you know, you go away from conversations like this feeling, um, inspired and engaged in life, you know what I mean? And hundred percent in a different way. So the more we can do that, the better. And, you know, like that just starts with, with, with those conversations. Um, and I just think, like I say, the more the more we can talk about these things, the more we can talk about everything we spoke about here today in terms of inclusion, diversity, difference, uh, the, the more people will grow because the more we'll learn from each other. I, I always say, you know, like uh, when we, we, we deliver a session on resilience, which obviously is a massive topic at the moment. Yeah, um, big time. In schools and we say that, you know, we know a lot of disabled people that face challenges every day, even like not being let out onto a bus because they use a wheelchair, for example or whatever, not being able to get into a place. They have to face these challenges all the time. And I, we always talk about, you know, we've all been babies at one point. And as a baby, you never, you don't, when you start to learn to, to walk or talk or, or, or whatever you learn to do, in whatever way that is, you, you don't stop doing that, you know. Um, you learn to communicate in a way that, that works for you or a way to move in a way that works for you. Um, we don't just give up at the first hurdle, do you know what I mean? Um, right, and, yeah. And that's something that I think is, is so important for people to remember because the people that have faced these challenges have overcome them challenges and are therefore, um, you know, and we all keep, we all face challenges. You know, it's not like we face a challenge, overcome it, and then we're okay forever. We'll face challenges again and again and again, but the more that people do that, the stronger people get. Um, and we've got to listen to those people, those people that have faced those experiences time and time again. And it's funny, like even last week that I tried a new, piece like there's a couple of things that i've tried in the last few months that would have helped me get to where i am like say for example with psychedelics uh sperm retention was another one uh fasting is the most recent one yeah. uh which i tried last week and i got 42 hours um into it and i'm glad i pivoted back onto eating at the time last week but this week now as i mentioned with my friend being in um hospital at the moment i was like right we've been very lucky as in myself and my buddy uh that we've nearly came together like we have today right and our journeys are naturally trying to help each other and everyone else but i was like right i kind of felt good over the last few days say like from probably the last part of last week to now sorry even yesterday and i was like right scratch scratch that you nearly want to harness the negativity. Like you want to go back to those places and find yourself again and really dig deep. Yeah. So I was like, right. Challenges again, where now my grandmother keeps going ballistic because she puts food on the table and I won't eat it at the moment. Yeah. So I'm now, what are we? 24 hours into the fast again, but it just pulls you back into that zone. Yeah, like yeah. that you're like, Rory, you're not past this yet. Yeah. Like I'm only, I'd say early in my recovery yet. But I find if I get complacent, and this is again to say focus with sport, like that um you need that um challenge that really gets you. Yeah. Like I was on phone calls today, genuinely, where I actually said earlier, 
thank God the support network came around to me, but they were like, from even the client side, it was fine. From the system that we were using, grand. They were like, you know, what's wrong? I was like, genuinely, it felt like, like where I get, this is probably a bit of context for people that don't understand this, where I get my mental um, stress is really front and center on my uh, limbic part of my mind, yeah. on the left-hand side specifically. Um, so it felt like literally piercing bullets coming through my head when I was getting targeted by whatever language you were saying earlier was coming through on the phone call. Right. And I was just like so overwhelmed, felt like I was getting needles, like um, dry needling or acupuncture through my head. And I was just like, whoa, yeah, yeah. pull myself through it. And they're like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm fine. I went through it, stuck with it, went for a run at lunch. Yeah. And then saw the better part of the day in the afternoon. Hmm. But by God, when you go through that pain, I haven't even thought about food. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows you like the one phrase that I even learned over the weekend, which is ironic and is brilliant, is the word breakfast. Yeah. Breaking the Breaking fast. Breaking the fast, yeah. So like it just shows you we are incredibly uh, powerful as a nation or as individuals or whatever. But the one thing is we have to be very conscious, as you said, like the romance in the bromance that you have between um, obviously yourself and a wife, but like Alex and Hayden here in this context, that what you're doing together in that journey, everyone says, you know, you need to look after yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, the sole responsibility of self-care or whatever it needs to be called these days or all these fancy terms. It's more important that we all work together. Like that's yeah. the essence of community. And I think that's, one of the most incredible things to be very grateful to say closing the closing this out is like that your work has like nearly tied together nations across the world through chapters that deem to be familiar i'd say even in a lot of the things that i'm feeling at the moment to times before like in the war and whatnot like our, our generation we've never faced any challenges like we have been such a privileged generation have been spoon fed whatever we want to do yeah and all of a sudden we're in that nation challenge now where we can change it like yes. so that so that's the part where you say earlier you know with inclusion and diversity if we can inspire that oh yeah. my god what a generation to be alive in yeah 100 yeah exactly you know if, if we can if we can do that now like i say from right now then who knows what sort of ripple effect we'll create in in the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever, how many years. Um, you know, we don't want to go back to the to what we just experienced and and the way people were living, you know, contributed to that. So it was just, it's been massively an evident need for change. Um, and hopefully people do start to change and have those conversations and start talking. I think that's the biggest thing for me is just, let's, let's just start talking about everything. You've just spoke unbelievably openly and honestly about, your experiences, your feelings. People don't do that and people need to do that exactly what, what you've just done. Yeah, that's very nice to hear. And again, it's hard to accept, as we said earlier, with these things and natures like that. It feels like one of the more recent things, as I said, I was working on my self-image that I was nearly feeling like that a lot of what I'd been saying on podcasts was nearly a third person uh, in the sense that, you know, you had nearly this pitch in your head and the story. Yeah. But I've now, thank God, connected it. No. So you really feel it, you know, that's where like even wearing the watch and all these other things, it, it brings you into the zone of like, Rory, this is what it feels like not to forget what's happened in the past, as you said, and you bring it to life. Yeah. Like, that's the beauty of, um, I think, 
maybe Hayden or anyone in those contexts, anybody, a child, as you said, everybody has been a child in their life. Yeah. And for what beauty you have brought to us in the forms of literature is reminding everyone that you can drop the bags, you can read, or you can take a moment and remember that life is very simple yeah. when you just actually wake up every day and just do your best and try and have fun. And yeah. if you could have that every day and treat everyone the same, yeah, you couldn't ask any more for anyone. No, no chance. No, I, how good would that be? Um, yeah, I think that's a lovely way to, uh, to, to, to come to the end of that conversation, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, 100%. It's like one of those <laughs> phrases I even come to again and again at the moment, but it's the one that comes to mind. It's where like, if we were to sign this episode off with this sentence uh, before I do it, naturally, I will uh, gracefully say a massive thank you. And I'm very humbly honored to be privileged to have a conversation with someone of your stature and professionalism and way, the way you carry yourself both professionally and personally. Nature is, if we carry what we have from the past, living in the moment and look forward to the future, there's your autograph. That's it. That's it. You couldn't say anything better. No, thank, thank you, though, Rory. Honestly, I really appreciate it. But it's an absolute pleasure to, to speak with you. And like I say, the more I have conversations with people like yourself, the better my life is a million percent. You know, I don't want to, um, I, I don't want to be having conversations about sort of, um, I don't know, fashion, fashionable things and whatever. Do you know what I mean? I want to be talking about some of these more challenging things that people don't talk about because um, these are the conversations we need to be having. So uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for chatting with me. Welcome to my world, Riff Raff and Rory podcast. Episodes will be available every Monday and you can listen to the podcast on all podcast streaming platforms. Follow me on Insta, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. All of my handles are in the show notes. Thanks very much. Tune in next week.